everyone. Welcome back to the Entry Level Podcast, where we talk about entry-level experiences in many forms, careers, relationships, business, side hustles, money, travel, and more. We believe if you're always learning and growing, then you will always be entry-level at something. I'm Sarah Dudley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindsay Bernard. We're really excited for today's episode because we get to welcome back a former guest, Rachel Richards. Rachel came Hello. on the podcast. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Rachel came on the podcast back in February to talk personal finance and investing, two topics that she goes into great detail in her book, Money Honey. If you haven't checked that one out, definitely a must read. Rachel does a really great job of simplifying what can often feel like a daunting concept, creating a budget, understanding how to pay off debt, and kicking off, you know, investment activities, because I think for a lot of people, that's a really scary concept. But today, we're going to take that a step further and talk about passive income, what that is, how you can get started, why everyone should be thinking about doing it. And just like we did on the prior episodes, kind of breaking down why it's maybe not as hard or as scary as we may think. Um, But first, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the first two episodes that we had Rachel on for and some of the actions actually that Lindsay and I have both taken based on Rachel's um, advice around personal finance and maybe even investing. Um, And so I'll kind of quickly sum up some of the things that I've done. But one of the things that really stuck out for me from those two episodes we did was this idea of the four bucket saving strategy. And so I've really been like mapping out, you know, bucket one, bucket two, bucket three, and bucket four. And just kind of like a real quick summary, if you guys want to get more detail on these buckets, you can definitely check out the episode. But um, the idea of bucket one just kind of being for like emergencies, like, you know, a thousand dollar stockpile, bucket two being like that four to six month um, savings reserve in case you lose your job or something comes up. And then bucket three being for those long-term things like buying a house or retirement or no, bucket four is retirement, right, Rachel? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. Bucket three is like wedding, house, those longer-term things that just take longer to save up for and require more money. And so I've really been like mapping out on a spreadsheet and really doing the work to like, like track where I am in my buckets. And so I'm excited to say I've filled bucket two this month and now I'm moving on to bucket three. (laughs) And I've always, I've always had bucket four like in the background. So I do have bucket four working on bucket four all the time, right? Because that one's going to take forever to fill. But yeah, um, that's been one of my big things from our first couple episodes that we did. Lindsay, what so, about yeah. you? <laughs> um, so Rachel, I, I, when we, I loved our first conversation. Um, I got a lot out of it. I, re- I had not read your book um, when we did the initial episode, but I did read the book. Um, and also Sarah can attest to this. Most of my siblings and family members purchased the book as well. Um, <laughs> And, you know, one thing that I, I took out of our conversation was just making sure that the, the tracking of the money and where things are going. Um, I think we, we, t- we had talked a little bit about, you know, just from a, you know, every day when your check comes in, like, are you really seeing how much you're spending on certain things? And I didn't take it to the extent that uh, Sarah did with the spreadsheets and whatnot, but I really, really took my, because I'm in commission base, which we talked about 50-50. So my base salary, I really um, took it upon myself to make sure I knew where every dollar was getting allocated for that from, from, uh, for every biweekly when I get the base. And what's happened is now I fully, which I, I could before, but now I feel more confident and can really, really live on that base salary with my 401k and my investments. And now it's kind of an added bonus when I get commission checks because I 
you know, I have another kind of means of funds um, saved already. So Mm -hmm. I think that our conversation just about being aware of where the money's going and whether or not you follow the four buckets and, or you kind of just make sure you have your own tracking methodology from a savings perspective that helped me. And I wanted to share with you that my sister and her husband also read your book and they're a young family. They have two little kids under the age of two. Um, and they read your book and they started doing the four buckets, especially when it comes to having the emergency fund and things like, you know, just how they're saving their money and how they're tracking their money. And they are currently um, able to, um, we, they were able to just uh, get a pool for the summer and um, wow. install it. So, you know, and they, and with that, they were able to do that because they had, they were on such a good budget, which they weren't previously on. Um, so I just wanted to wow. share that with you because I think that your first book and methodology really helps people. So Wow, um, you guys, that nice is hearing. so cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm completely flattered that you guys read the book and shared it and you have all these things that you've implemented. I'm, I'm cheer- cheering you on from the sidelines. So thank you <laughs> so much for sharing that and for having me back on. This is so exciting. No problem. Um, so I know that I, I think we want to start out um, maybe talking about you are writing a second book and on a topic that... Sarah just kicked off in the intro. Do you want to kind of give us a little summary and you know what what brought you to do this book and then we can kind of dive in and grill you with some questions? I'd love to. So my second book, which is launching in October 2019, is about passive income. And this is a super hot topic. Um, passive income is income that is earned without working or with just doing extremely minimal work. So a couple examples would be um, rental income. So if you have a rental property, you're a landlord, you make rental income every month. Um, normally that's super minimal work. It could just be a couple hours a month. Um, or royalty income. Like think about JK Rowling who wrote Harry Potter. She makes tons of money, but she's not actively writing those books anymore. So it's just an ongoing stream of income for her. Um, and this is something that I sort of had an epiphany about a couple years ago because I've always wanted to retire early or work for myself. And I never knew how to do it because saving up a million dollars, you know, by age 30 seemed super difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And then living off of that for the rest of my life, I was very intimidated. So I was like, well, what if I make these passive income streams? And doesn't it make sense that if my passive income exceeds my living expenses, then I'm technically retired. I'm totally financially independent. So I sort of started thinking about early retirement that way. Um, I was already pursuing real estate investing and interested in doing that. So I figured, you know, if I could get a couple different passive income streams be, uh, started and build upon them, then once I get up to this, you know, covered, once my expenses are covered, then I'm retired. So the exciting news is, is that I have reached that point. And wow. um, what's even more exciting is that I am sharing all about this passive income, all the different types and how to do it. And I'm, um, this is what my second book is all about. So that is coming again this October, just a few months away. That's so awesome. That's exciting. And happy early retirement. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. I have three weeks to go at my job. So um, it's crazy. It's, I'm nervous, but excited. So wait, can I, before, can I ask you about that? So from a passive sure. income perspective, like how did you, like, did you set a goal in mind? Like, can you just explain how you just even started doing that? Cause I, like, I agree. Like, I, I mean, I would love to retire at 35. That's my joke, but maybe I could now. Um, but what, how did you even start and what kind of, you know, things did you save? Like, you know what I mean? Can you explain yeah, it a little bit? Absolutely. So 
my first thought was, okay, let's just get my passive income and me and my husband, you know, all of our expenses are combined. So let's get our passive income to exceed our expenses and then we'll be retired. But then we were thinking, you know, we want to have a little bit extra. So we feel like we're still saving money or just, you know, have a little extra cushion there. So then we came up with, okay, let's have $10,000 a month in passive income. And that's been our goal for a long time. And we figured that would be so much money that we would be able to live comfortably, do what we want, and even have some extra leftover. So um, we actually reached that point last year. We, we started our first income stream in 2017 is when we sort of created our first passive income stream. So it has taken us only two and a half years. I thought it was going to take us a lot longer to get to that point, but um, it, we actually reached it pretty fast. And we actually reached that point at the end of last year, but I just decided... I'm going to just keep working for a little bit, save a bunch more money, and then we'll go ahead and retire. So we reached that 10,000 mark. Um, we've kind of held steady there. We have a pretty large savings account that we've built up over the past six months. And, um, and then I'll be quitting my full-time job in three weeks. So that's where I'm at. That's, that's like extremely impressive and exciting. I feel like, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, this idea of the early retirement or not even like we think of retirement as this like stage of life where we won't even, we won't have to do anything anymore, right? Like we'll finally get to just do the things that we never seem to have time to when we have to work full time, do all the other mm -hmm. responsibilities of life. Um, do you, and I definitely want to go back to some of the tactics you use and approaches, yeah. but like maybe you, just um, what is, what is a passive income stream just for people who um, are unaware? Yeah, sure. So passive income stream is any type of income stream that you make money without really working. So think of <laughs> a job that you go into, you work nine to five every day, you're there putting in hours that's active or earned income. Mm -hmm. Passive income is like an income stream that you sort of build up. And then you sit back, you don't have to work. You maybe work minimally, you know, a couple hours a month or even not at all. So, you know, again, an example was the rental income, um, the royal, like a book royalty income, like how JK Rowling makes money from her books. Um, and then, so there's five types that I actually outline in the book. So another one is portfolio income and that's, you know, um, income earned as dividends or interest off your investments. Um, and then you have coin operated Based income. So think of like a vending machine. If you own a vending machine, you stock it, you know, once a week, you collect money. That's pretty passive. So that's an example of coin based income. And um, then lastly, you have advertising and e commerce income. So mm -hmm. if you've put all this work into, you know, building up a blog or website and you have it at a pretty good point and you monetize it, you know, the hope is that you can then work on it minimally and then make, make money off of it. So that's an example of, of that fifth type of income. Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. And sorry, Sarah, I know I cut you off a little bit. Just wanted to make sure we had a couple <laughs> definitions out there. Yeah, yeah no, no, it definitely makes sense to level set on, on why exactly we're talking about. I think the kind of path I was going for based on some of the things you said about, you know, now you have the ability to retire early. What is retirement? When you say retirement, does that mean that, you know, I think a lot of people have this perception of once you're retired, you're just going to have nothing left to do. But I yeah. think when we talk to other people, it's more like, well, no, now I just have time to like live my dreams, like live my passions, like spend the time 
on the things that really excite me, really make me happy, as opposed to feeling like I'm tied to a job just because I need to pay bills or save for retirement. Like, do you have like this vision of retirement for you and your husband? Yeah, exactly. I agree with a lot of what you said. I think we all define retirement differently, but the way I sort of look at it is we're retired when we're, when we don't have to work for our money anymore. Normally that happens when people are 60 or 65 years old, because financially that's the only point in their lives that that can happen because then they might have a social security or a pension or they have money saved up. But you know, I look at it and I don't want to work my butt off my whole life and then wait until I'm old to travel the world and do all the cool things I want to do. So I was like, well, I got to find a way where I can be making money and financially independent when I'm super young. And so I'm 27 years old now and I've achieved that. And what I want to do, what my, my husband and I want to do, we're super passionate about traveling. So we already have all these trips booked up. Um, we're going to start, I'm sure by getting our travel bug out and visiting friends and family and everything. But, um, you know, ultimately it's about, it's not about just not ever working again my entire life. It's about working because I want to, not because I have to. Yeah. So for example, one of my big passions is you know, money management and teaching people about it and educating on personal finance. So I'm sure I'll continue to do what I'm doing, maybe write another book. You know, I'm passionate about writing. Um, ultimately though, Andrew and I are super entrepreneurial, so we're always thinking of business ideas. So I'm sure we'll start up something else here in the next few months. I don't know what it'll be yet, but I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I love that definition of retirement, just having, it's, it's really having the option to do what you want to do, live the life that you want to live without feeling tied down to something just for financial purposes. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that we all probably want to strive for. And I love the, I love that it took you guys only a couple of years. Was there, I think for some people, or at least maybe it's just in my mind, like, there's this idea that you need to have a lot of money initially in order to make more money on top of that. Like you need to have to have the ability to invest in something like real mm -hmm. estate in order to then create these passive income streams. Is that true? Or do you think there are ways that people can start doing this in other ways that don't require a huge initial upfront investment? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up. So it is partially true. There are some passive income streams that do require capital upfront to then make more money. For example, portfolio income, like if you're really trying to realistically make enough money off of stocks or dividends or bond income to live off of, you're going to have to have an enormous amount of money invested. Um, and most of us don't, you know, that's why we're trying to build passive income and pursue early retirement because we don't have a ton of money. Um, so, but there are other passive income streams that don't require money, but instead they do require time. So for any passive income, you have to invest one or the other. You either have to invest money or time or both. But the great thing is if you don't have a lot of money, you can go for the passive income streams that just require some time. You put time into it and then it'll start making money. So an example of that is, is like my first book, Money Honey. Um, I didn't write it for the intention of turning it into a passive income stream, but it just sort of happened that way. Um, but I, I put all this time into writing the book, doing all this research, blah, blah, blah. I only spent a, a couple hundred dollars to have it edited and, you know, make a, de, a cover design. And then I launched it and now it generates royalties for me every month. So that's an example of a passive income 
where you just have to have the time invested up front and you don't really necessarily need a ton of money. Yeah, that's yeah. I was actually, um, I was wondering, I think you mentioned this earlier and before, but um, my, my brother and I do, uh, we dabble in real estate, um, real estate yes. investment. And we're eventually, you know, we flipped a couple houses. We're eventually looking to be, you know, almost like landlords and have, you know, rent coming in for kind of a passive income. Does that make sense? Would that count as a revenue stream? And totally. um, do you have any advice for anyone who want, I know in real estate investment is a big thing um, right now. And a lot of people are moving that way. Do you have any advice or um, any, I think you mentioned you also do that as well. Yes. I, so I'm super passionate about real estate investing. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I think it's an excellent type of passive income stream and you don't necessarily need a ton of money to get into it. And I'll explain that in a little bit, but rental income, it's kind of like the holy grail of passive income in my opinion, because you have these three different financial benefits. You have cash flow. So that means whatever amount of money you're walking away with each month. So if your uh, rent that you're getting from your tenant is $1,000 and your mortgage and all of your other expenses are $700, then you're walking away with a $300 cash flow profit each month. So that's income to you. So you have the cash flow. Then you have the equity buildup. Or, and or appreciation. I don't always like to count on the rental property appreciating in value because as we've seen in 2008, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Um, but something that is nice is that your tenants are covering your mortgage payment for you and over time, you are going to be building up equity in that house right. and eventually owning it outright. So that's a huge benefit. And then lastly, there's normally tax benefits from home ownership. Even if it's an investment property, you still get some tax deductions like interest and some other things. So there's three, three really solid financial reason, reasons to own a rental property. Um, I own several myself and it is the largest piece of my total passive income. Um, and like I said earlier, you don't necessarily need to have a lot of money to invest in rental properties. You know, that's what a lot of people think like, Oh, well, I need to have $30,000 to even buy a property that's not necessarily the case. There are some ways around that. Like one of the things, um, one of the creative ways that people get into real estate investing is called house hacking. And that's where someone will buy a multifamily property, like a duplex or a triplex, but they'll live in it as their primary residence. So they'll live in one unit and they'll rent out the other two units. Normally that will completely offset their living expenses so that they can save more money or they can still even possibly make some cash flow. Um, but the nice thing about that is that when it's your primary residence, you can put down a lot less as a down payment, sometimes even 10 or 15%. Yep, that's exactly um, what we did. Awesome. Yeah. And, or if it's if FHA or VA, you could even put like 3.5% yep. down. Um, and normally with rental properties, if you're buying it just as an investment and you're not going to live in it, you would have to put 20 to 25% down. So it would require a little bit more upfront. But that's just one example, house hacking of a creative way to do it. So Lindsay, you said you've personally done it that way? Yeah. So what we did was um, we wanted basically, so my brother's in real estate, but he was just starting out. He was like 26 at the time and I didn't own a house yet. So we were like, okay, how do we make this work so we could flip a house? Like he could do the work, live there, and then I could kind of split the down payment and we could go, you know, then we could flip the house take the, take the lump sum and then invest in two other properties, potentially one to rent and, you know, maybe one 
to keep like a lake house or something, or at mm-hmm. least start that process. So what we did was we found a flip house and um, I, he, te- he lived there with his girlfriend claimed residency. So we didn't have the high down payment. I don't even think, I think I put down like 11 grand on the first house. You know what I mean? And so we got that, like you said, the discount rate for being, he was a first, technically a first time homeowner. Um, so it really worked out and then we were able to flip it in time. So we, we held it long enough so that we didn't have to pay the extra taxes when you Mm -hmm. sell it. Um, so he did a good job. We did a good job flipping it. Um, we have the lump sum and now we're looking to, to do a couple more investments. Um, with that said, one thing that we're, you know, we're trying to take really seriously is, um, you know, we don't want to just, even though we have this lump sum, we want to make sure we're making the right investments. So we're even thinking of, you know, we're, we're kind of looking through options right now, but I, I like your idea of like taking into consideration passive income because, you know, there's land, you know, we're going to look in Maine or New Hampshire, there's land you can buy and potentially someone will buy it from you eventually, or we could build something maybe like built like to your point, build a three family home and rent it or, you know, so we're just going through the options right now. We also always keep our eye out for apartment complexes or, you know, anything townhouses that we think that would be good where we could rent two or three. That's so cool. And and what I love about the way you did it is that you did like a live in flip. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with that, you can sort you, you can sometimes purchase a house to flip for pretty minimal, especially if you're going to live in it, like with a minimal down payment. And then by the time you fix it up and flip it, then you have a really nice chunk of change. So then you can go invest in other properties, just like you were saying. So that's like a really great way of getting into the into rental property investing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, from a, from a long-term perspective, like I'm just finishing buying my place now or we finished it, but you know, so now I'm a, a technically a homeowner, you know, my brother's now his own homeowner, homeowner, but we still have a lump sum that we can figure out for investment purposes. So if anyone, to your point, when you said a lot of people kind of get scared off of the fact that you, you do need sometimes a lump sum, doing a low, a, a, a easy flip, easier flip. And maybe you're just painting or, you know, the property value goes up with, with minimal work. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, uh, just, a something that helped us get that initial kind of lump sum to be able to spend. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm learning so much guys. I'm just taking <laughs> notes over here. I've actually, it's funny you brought up house hacking. That's, I had never heard that term before, but I, it came up like this weekend when I was talking to somebody about not necessarily just about, it was kind of, we we're just talking about like ways to save money and just kind of interesting. I think we we're talking about like travel hacking and somehow house hacking came up. And so <laughs> this idea that we have at our fingertips, so many opportunities to kind of save money in different ways if we're creative enough, you know, to, to like hack the system, so to speak. And I think we won't get into travel hacking here, but Rachel, I think that's also an interest of yours, right? We talked about it a little bit on the, yes. the last few episodes, but I love the idea that anything, if you kind of take the time to understand how things work and, and understand where there's opportunity, you can really set yourself up in a good way, whether it's traveling or your personal finances or, or real estate or, or anything like that. Um, I guess uh, my question around all of these different potential passive income streams, you said that the biggest chunk comes from real estate for mm-hmm. you. Um, so you have real estate in the book. Is there anything, are you, are those your two or do you have more or is there a yeah. recommendation for how many or like a mixture that people should have or anything like that? 
Yeah. So I have one more. So I have the rental properties. That's that what makes that's what makes up most of my passive income. I have my book, Money Honey, and then obviously I'm gonna be launching another book soon to add to that. And then my third income stream is another royal royalty-based income stream. And it is um, print on demand business. So they call that pod P-O-D. And the way that works is, you know, say you want to sell like a cute shirt in a store or you want to open up your own store with all these different products. Well, there's a lot of financial risk because you have to buy all of your inventory in the hopes that it's going to sell. Now with print on demand, the way that works is you can set up a shirt with some cute design and set it up online and it won't be created until it actually sells. So it's not going to be printed and shipped out until the customer actually buys it. And what's nice about that is that it completely um, eliminates any inventory that you would need. So it eliminates a lot of that risk. So you create some products. Um, if they don't sell, there's no loss. If they do sell, you start collecting royalties on them. So that's called a print-on-demand business. There's a lot of different platforms online that do this now. I think you can set things up through Etsy and Shopify and um, there's Redbubble and I think there's a one called Teespring and there's Amazon Merch. Um, so several different online platforms that do this. You can just Google print on demand platform, you know, just start sort of designing products and then collecting royalties. So that's been a great one. That's another one that it took a lot of time up front to, you know, hire some freelancers to do designs you know, figure out our process, but we didn't necessarily invest, you know, any money up front. So that's another yeah. great one for people that don't necessarily have a lot of capital. Yeah, no, those are good. Uh, have there been any, I actually had never heard of that one before. So that one's an interesting one, but it made me wonder like what, what's the craziest passive income stream <laughs> that you've heard of somebody having? Oh, oh gosh, that's a good question. I think the craziest one I've heard is something called mineral rights. And people like in Texas where, you know, there's oil and minerals and all that stuff, they've probably heard of this, but I had never heard of it in Kentucky. Um, but, you know, if you own land, then you can basically lease mineral rights to people that want to drill for minerals and oil, and you just collect royalties from that company. Oh. So that's like crazy and out there, and I don't have any idea how it works, but I thought that one was pretty cool. <laughs> but you know oh what's gosh. funny that I think about when like I read your book and like we interview you and we did our last financing and even huh. just some of the interviews that Sarah and I have done on this, on this podcast about people who are entrepreneurs who are doing all this great stuff. Like it's such a great time to take chances like this and to do what you're doing and to be an entrepreneur and to find new ways to do things. And I think that the opportunities are just endless for passive income if you really focus on it. You know, if you really make a, like you did, if you really make a goal and say, okay, in a year I want to be doing this full time. Like I joke with Sarah and say, we should double down on the podcast so we can get a radio show and quit our job. You know, like <laughs> I always joke with her about it, but it just seems like such a good if time. If any of my coworkers are listening, that is yes, not true. Just <laughs> yes, whoops, yeah, just kidding. None of my, I just switched companies, so I don't have any friends yet. So no one, none of my coworkers listen to this, but um, no, but I just think it's a really good time to do this. And so I kind of want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your book um, before we, before we wrap up, like when did you start writing it? Is there anything you want people to look out for? You know, just give us some, some details. And also if there's any other information of, for people to reach out to you or get involved, um, I'm sure our listeners um, would love to know. Yeah, that'd be great. So the book, it's been written. I'm working on editing it and revising it. I'm super excited because, you know, it's been a long time in the works. It's taken me a while, but 
I'm almost there. And based on the early feedback, even after my first book, this is a topic that people want to know more about. And this excites people because, you know, the people in, in our generation, millennials, anyone who's in their 20s, 30s, whatever, we're kind of all sick of the rat race and we don't really want to do what our parents want to do. And it just seems like we're all looking for, you know, a, a, a side hustle or an income stream or something where we can alleviate some of our financial burdens and maybe even retire early. And I, I just truly think passive income is something anybody can do. And it answers a lot of those financial problems for a lot of people. So I know people are excited about this book. I'm excited to write it and to kind of give the knowledge uh, to people and, and give them the how-to so that they can get started. Um, it comes out in October. So just keep, um, keep an eye out for it. You can Amazon uh, bookstores. Yes, it'll everything. be on Amazon and, um, it'll be at least paperback and ebook. And I might have a hardcover and an audio as well. And it'll be, um, online at Barnes and Noble and books a million and a, a few other places. Um, so that's coming in October and anyone can follow for updates on my Facebook or Instagram. So you can just search money, honey, Rachel, and you'll find me. And um, anyone listening, I seriously love to help people with anything related to finance. So people email me all the time for advice, and I'm always super happy to help them. So if anyone listening wants, you know, has a question about anything or this episode, you can reach me at moneyhoneyrachel at gmail.com. And I'm happy to help as much as I can. And awesome. And me and Sarah will make sure that when the book does launch that we um, promote it. We, we kind of recap what you said um, to make sure that people know where to find it as well. Thanks so, so much, guys. And yeah. Level is amazing. You guys are amazing. I'm so excited to keep following you. And thank you so much for having me on again. Well, before you go, we do, yeah. we do like to end with kind of a fun segment. And, you know, we, me and Sarah talk about on, the, on this podcast a lot, travel and a lot of our, you know, it's funny, I would say, Sarah, out of most of the people we interview or even just our own friend group, like travel is just on the top of everyone's mind all the time. And Rachel, we thought since, you know, one of the reasons that you wanted to retire early um, and do the passive income stream is because you want to travel. So we were thinking for the last segment, maybe you could uh, tell, share with uh, us and the listeners what your first trip will be once you're retired at 27, which I'm jealous and then I think, Sarah, you have some exciting stuff that you've been working towards as well. So I thought maybe we could uh, discuss that right before we wrap. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I want to hear what Sarah's going to do. Um, <laughs> you yes, first. You first. Okay, so, um, so we're actually planning on moving out west here in the next six months or so. And our first trip we're going to be taking in August is we're going out to Colorado so we can start getting serious and exploring some cities. Yeah. So, that's our first trip. Not really a vacay, more of a, you know, kind of a research trip just to see where we want to go, but we're still very excited. It's going to be a nice time of year to be in Colorado. So. Yeah, that'll be amazing. Any, like any, do you have like any vacation, like big place you've never been to before coming up or um, we're, can you not so, divulge that yet? <laughs> oh, I totally can. I love talk about travel. We're, I'm going to Italy with my husband and my two yeah, I've been before and it's like my favorite country. So we are going back, which is exciting. And then we're also going to be going to Barcelona in January. So I've never been and I'm super wow. excited about that one. Where in Italy are you going? Uh, yeah. Lindsay and I traveled to Italy together. Yeah, we did August. a couple episodes on it too. Yeah. No way. So I'm obsessed. I'm the most crazy, like passionate Italy person ever. Um, my husband's family actually is from Italy. So he has family oh, there that don't even speak English. So we, I, I got to meet them a couple years ago. 
and it was so cool. Um, and I'm trying to learn Italian. So, uh, but for this trip, we're going to be in Northern Italy and we're going to do Venice, Bologna, Cinque Terre and um, Lake Como. Nice. Yeah, we, we, we regret not doing Lake Como. Our friend went a little earlier than we were there for a wedding and our friends got there a little earlier and did Lake Como. And we yeah. met after, but uh, that's gonna we that's definitely on my list when I go back to Italy. Yeah, for sure. That's so definitely. cool. It looks amazing for sure. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Um, yeah, big so, news. I mean, it's not my retirement trip, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I probably should have waited for retirement for it. No, I'm. We talked a little bit about travel hacking earlier, and so I I started doing like some of the travel hacking stuff probably a year ago, and so I'm taking like my first like big travel hacking trip, I guess, because uh, I'm so I'm headed to Greece for ten days in September, doing like a little solo trip. Um, so that's going to be kind of exciting. I've heard great things about solo travel in Europe. So I'm excited for that. But like the cool part of it is, is that by doing the travel hacking stuff, I got a like $10,000 first class flight for free doing the travel. What? Yeah. yeah. And so, and like half of my hotel nights are free. So, well, by free, like, I mean, nothing's truly free. Like I had to do the work to like make it, you know, do all the stuff, follow the rules and all that stuff. But, uh, I'm excited. Oh my God. That's so yeah. cool, Sarah. I mean, can you share like one tip on how you landed a first class plane? Yes, yeah, so the the biggest thing is like there's there's layers of travel hacking, right? So like when you first do it, it's all about getting the cards with the bonus, like the, the points that's when mm -hmm. you sign up, when you hit the minimum spend, all that stuff. But the real money making for flights is doing it through partner programs. So like say you have a hundred thousand points in the chase portal like you take those and you transfer them to high value partners and but you have to like do research on specific flights and which ones are highest value all that so it's it like nothing's truly free like you said like it's either time or money right and so mm -hmm. some of this stuff takes you know a couple hours to research the right flight at the right time and the right amount of points through the right partner all that stuff but like once you kind of start learning some of these different paths to it I was like I was like, when I booked this flight, I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I did it. This is like my first big travel hack. So uh, that was exciting. So cool. And it's, and it's exciting because like throughout the past year, you've been talking about wanting to do a solo trip and yeah. um, getting some blogging done. And so I, every, all of our friends are very proud of Sarah for her trip. Well, one of, <laughs> one of our friends is jealous, but and it's not me, but um, no, it's really exciting for you. Yeah, Sarah, I hope that you're going to write like a blog post or where can we learn more about your travel hacking? We're going to yeah, do an episode on it. I, yeah, we are going to do <laughs> an episode on it. I haven't really written much about it yet because it's kind of in this thing that I like, I feel like it's one of those things where you are learning it, you're in that learning phase and then you're starting to try it out. And now I feel like I'm kind of in that phase where like I know enough about it where I could like talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so now I need to start doing more of that <laughs> but I haven't really put out much around it yet well I cannot wait for this podcast episode I'm super <laughs> intrigued yeah it should be good Lindsay okay. what about you oh yeah no I actually am kind of taking a different approach uh the last few years I did a lot of travel which I wanted to do but I actually just made a, a move to a startup at my new company and as you guys have heard startups are pretty intense and it's a lot of uh a lot of work, but I'm actually really loving it. And so I'm not taking any big trips like that probably until Sarah and a bunch of our friends are going to go to Aruba in February. So that'll probably be my next trip. 
And um, I'm just my new life. I'm just focusing on work and loving it. So by, um, her, new, by her new life, she means she got a dog and a house, house. <laughs> and oh. I'll work at a startup instead of a big corporation. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, the but, dog has to be the best part. I oh, love it's dogs. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a cutie. Um, he's currently going through my trash. So it's, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, yeah, no, I think it's all good. And I, I, I really appreciate, um, you Rachel coming back on because the, your first episode and book was great. Um, I know it helped a lot of people, just even Sarah and I and people in our own life. So I'm really excited to read your second one. And I hope, um, and I'm really happy you get to retire. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming yes, thank, on. Thank you both. It's so fun to talk to you. I so appreciate it. Awesome. awesome. All right, everyone, make sure to follow us on Instagram, at Entry Level Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please comment and leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>